Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on April the 11th, 2023. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, chasing me with a garden hose and a broom. Caffeine rage, and uh, you make it sound uh, so, like a, so much of a sexier time. I know, I know. You're just trying to get me off your lawn. Um, on today's episode, we will, of course, be discussing some games which we have played. The Resident Evil 4 remake has added microtransactions to upgrade weapons quicker. And we've got several articles as part of our community corner. The ones that we mentioned last week but had to shy away from, which are Dark and Darker, has been removed from Steam following a cease and desist demand. E3 is dead for good. Arc 2 is delayed, so they're turning off Survival Evolves official servers and charging 50 bucks for a remaster. And a new one this week, Monster Energy targets indie game in latest trademark lawsuit. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? Affidated. That's good. I am primed? Primered? I'm sitting here with a bunch of, of minis, combination of some 3D printed stuff, and then a batch of Battletech minis, and I'm priming all of them tonight while we record. That's my that's my caffeine for the evening. Fascinating. Indeed. Indeed. So, people love axolotls. That, like, mm-hmm. me talking about this reminded me. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I need to absolutely love some, but then again, our favorite Pokemon is based off of one, so... Yeah. So, I... I one of the things I do with my 3D printer is I make stuff for my clients. I use it as like a little reward for my younger clients. It's like, hey, if you can complete all of your homework and finish this booklet and, you know, maybe like if they're uh, having behavior problems at school, it's like, okay, if you can bring me a report from your teacher that says, you know, you were good or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, then you, I can, I'll make you something and give it to you. I'll make you whatever yeah, you not, want. Yeah, it's not a... Uh, uh... A lot. Uh, it's not an axolotl, right? <laughs> well, an an axolotl. Ah, I see what you did there. I think. Um, either that or I'm I'm assuming you did something that you didn't. But anyways, I use it for that, and and um, I will give it to some of the clients that we work with. Give give stuff to clients and then that we work with in the assisted living homes. Just because, unfortunately, they don't have a lot of stuff, and a little, you know, a little cute decoration can go a long way to help make them feel a little better, more valued, and and whatnot. And axolotl is the most requested thing. I have made in total eight of them for people, and I just have said, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna like." I, I did a um, mocked up a new print that has as many of them as possible that I could fit onto the build plate. And I'm just going to run them in batches. And then whenever people don't want them anymore, I'll just have a whole bunch of axolotls to add to my collection of narwhals. I can have two things. Well, I have a request then. Okay. Uh, hang on. I'm going to drop it in uh, Discord. Okay. Let me. I want a roxolotl. <laughs> oh, god damn. Okay. And I'm mostly joking about that one. You're, listen, you're going to forget <laughs> about this, and Christmas slash your birthday is going to roll around, 
and you're in your in your Christmas gift this year, you're gonna get a box. And I've already got one Christmas present for you, actually, that I found. And oh, I'm no. just gonna sit on it all year. Uh, should I be worried? No, no, it's it's good. You'll like it. I think. I mean, it, at least it's like it's a genuine present. It's not like, well, it's kind of dumb, but it's not like a gag gift or something. It's not weird. I, it's something that I think you'll like. And I saw it at uh, on a thrifting trip, so I bought it. Uh-oh. But um. But now, be, now I've mentioned the Roxolotl. You're going to have a Roxolotl, yeah. So. Well, I have a slug. It's not a rock, it's not a rock slug. I don't know what it is with the rock head on random things. It's like an entire, an entire subdivision, subdivision of Etsy. And one time I went on a deep rabbit hole and there, there it gets weird. I, and I would and believe I was, that. And I was just wondering if there was a rock with a, an axolotl body. It turns out there is. Because of course there is. Yeah. I mean, it is the internet. You can get anything you want. And and if you don't see anything you want, you can, and you don't know how to do it yourself, you can pay somebody to get you anything you want. I mean, uh, the other option is, of course, Waluigi Crucifix. <laughs> okay. What, you, you didn't know that was a thing? No, I did not. I found this on my same deep dive into random uh, 3D printed shit. I... I I need this in my life. I'm going to wear it. I'm going to put it on a chain. I'm going to wear it around. And people are going to be like, oh, Jesus. And then I'm going to flip it around. And it's, wah. It's, one day, someone's going to shoot me. There you go. <laughs> Waluigi on the cross. He wad for our sins. And it's from uh, Thingiverse. Because, right? Yeah. Most of the stuff that I get is from Three Thingiverse, but there are a couple other really big ones. Um, Thingiverse has got, I think, the most free stuff, mm-hmm. but finding like premium models or people who will do small custom changes to models. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one called Curse Mark. Oh, um, I, I I love this. Uh, it's on the same page of the art for me as the Waluigi Crucifix. Yeah, it's the middle finger Easter egg. It's an Easter egg. You open it up, and it's just uh, flipping you off. Nice, uh, Colts. It's called Colts. I don't know why I thought it was called Curse. Whatever. But Colts is is the other one that I find a lot of stuff on. I found an optical illusion today, and uh, unfortunately, it says hot dang instead of hot damn. But it's like one way. You turn it one way, and it's like hot with a mm-hmm. like H A W T, and mm-hmm. then. You turn it the other way and it says dang. And it's like an optical illusion. It's pretty cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to print off one of those and sit it on my desk at work. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of printing things, should we uh, print some games? Uh, sure. That segue doesn't quite work, but we've done worse, so carry yeah. on. Yeah, so I'm guessing I'll do one, you do one? Yeah, that works. Okay, so... Uh, there's going to be a slight theme on mine tonight. Uh, well, you'll see if you can pick it up over the course of the night uh, on my two games, but we'll see. So my first one is Forza Horizon 5 Hot Wheels. Uh, leading the way, as they do. So this is the expansion to Forza Horizon 5 that takes place in the sky above Mexico for reasons, right? Of course. And... 
I never played any of the expansions for the previous uh, Forza Horizon uh, that I played. Uh, for, uh, Forza Horizon 4, as those may have guessed. So, I did not know what to expect going into this. And I actually really enjoyed this. I, I would say that this is the one of the better Hot Wheels-style games I've played. And this is including uh, playing the... What uh, was it? 2022 Hot Wheels game? The official one that's full yeah. of microtransactions. Uh, well, micro, well, a bunch of DLC and also uh, uh, its entire progression is based off of loot boxes, essentially. Which, yeah, I mean, they're, I'm just looking at, holy shit. Uh, I, I had to go back and look. And I realized that there's going to be uh, some crossover because uh, there's expansions and stuff as well and uh, passes, but uh, the uh, official Hot Wheels game has $267 of DLC, right? Damn, that's a lot. I mean, I'm assuming that some of these are, like, double-dipping, like, one's an expansion pack or pack for cars, and then they they sell them separately, I hope. But even then, whew, right? So, yeah. which... Forza Horizon 5, it also is, uh, its progression is based off of uh, loot boxes. But you also get them so often that it doesn't matter that much. And you get the in-game currency where you can just buy shit anyway. So, alright. Yeah, and pretty soon you get a, a rather large collection of cars, and then it doesn't matter. I don't so, think. Uh, anyway, uh, this expansion is not rated very well, and I think part of the reason, and I do agree with this one, is that it feels very much like a commercial, where the story, quote-unquote, the uh, you know, story progression, whatever you want to call it, is feels very much like a commercial, where it's basically going into kind of extreme depth of the history of Hot Wheels and feels like an infomercial for Hot Wheels. But at the same time, it's a very small portion of the content, while most of it is just riding around on giant orange plastic tracks in the, in the sky, right? Yeah. So, I definitely understand why people don't like this expansion as much, because it's, you know, it feels like a commercial. But uh, I asked you about the Lego one, it was essentially the same thing, where you know, it felt like a commercial for Lego in Forza Horizon 4, right? Yep. I mean, the whole thing, just a super brief rundown of the Lego expansion for Forza Horizon 4. You go to a Lego island where the, everything houses, except for, like, the roads, but houses, trees, plants, um, people, Lego cars, like, you know, everything's made of Lego. And you do get some history of Legos, and there's some like modern stuff with the Lego speed series, which three of your cars come from and the entire progression in that is, you know, doing the races and finding and collecting all of the special Lego bricks to build your giant Lego house. Yeah. So the, uh, well, uh, the world on this one, it's essentially like, I want to say four or five, like floating islands. And then everything is connected via, a spaghetti nightmare of uh, of uh, Hot Wheels tracks. Basically, yeah, think of the conveyor belt of my Satisfactory Factory. Uh, just convert those to Hot Wheels tracks, and there you go, right? Right. Uh, 
and they get rather extreme. Yeah, some uh, very hard banking turns. There's a few uh, specialized track uh, pieces, or like uh, like mini biomes. Like there's ice tracks. There's like uh, one section that's a giant half pipe. A uh, few loop de loops, that sort of thing. And I definitely understand why some people would be upset about you know it being very samey, but it's essentially the basic idea of like street racing in the base game. You know, it's to me it's very comparable where if you're upset about how much on track racing is in the expansion, it's there's just so much on track racing in the base game that doesn't really bother me, really. There's a few uh things that uh goes off track and onto like the floating islands and some of them are rather expansive but that's kind of the main uh, onus of it and the progression of this uh, expansion it starts off locking you out of everything above b-class cars i believe and the progression is as you complete missions or do certain things on the essentially mission board that you're given you're given medals, and after you collect enough medals, it unlocks the uh, expedition to start the next uh, rank up. So, do uh, uh, all the main missions on every rank is enough to give you the rank up, or you could go off and do other many things, and uh, a lot of the many things are also retroactive. So, like, discovering the uh, Hot Wheels uh, Dragons, for example. There's three on the map, uh, on uh, essentially the three main islands. And discovering those just by driving past, whenever that uh, milestone pops up later on, it's retroactive, so you'll get those immediately. Or discovering so many roads, or holding a certain top speed, or a certain speed for so long. Uh, little mini missions that uh, you could do honestly during the main ones as well which a lot of them are uh, either races um, point to point uh, in a time trial you know like getting from the main camp to like uh, the dragon in the north and not so many uh, uh, in a minute or something mm. not the exact mission but uh, an example of that right um uh, finding uh, some of the collectibles. Uh, there's like it's uh, it's not the regular pinata, but it's a different one. And they're hidden around the map. There's also some uh, bonus XP boards that's hidden around the map. Uh, smashing enough of those as another milestone uh, or another mini milestone, that sort of thing. So doing those all collects up to get the essentially the big event to unlock the next rank up and i found all the uh, main events fairly simple to get past so it was just you know work up uh, unlock the next class work up again get the next class and it goes all the way up to x class and by that point you're familiar enough with the tracks that you could get a feel for it and I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, it was well worth the 50 cents I spent on the expansion. 
Uh, I guess I should be clear. I was going to say, you should clarify that. Yeah. So I cast in some Microsoft points, uh, Microsoft reward points uh, for a gift card. And uh, the expansion in the end cost me like 50 cents. Uh, It's normally, what, 15 bucks? I'm not sure. I can go look real quick if you want me to. Uh, I'm just double checking myself. Oh, sorry, 20 bucks. I would say it's worth the 20 bucks, but also know what you're getting into because there's a lot of, like I said, track racing. And if you really push it and yeah, f- uh, laser focus on it, you can get through the uh, the races in a very short amount of time, but there's a lot of optional side objectives as well. Yeah. It is, oh, it's on sale right now for 15 bucks. Normally it's 20, it's on sale for ah, 15. Okay. That might be part of the launch of the other expansion, because mm-hmm. didn't the other expansion just come out? Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah, it released on the 29th. But, anyways. Uh, and also, uh, as you progress through, you get a bunch of iconic Hot Wheels cars, and like I said, it, it's there's enough there to keep you busy for a while. Yeah. And also, it does tie into the base game as well, where uh, the Fortathon weekly events, if you get past... If you unlock the S1 class, it gives two more events that you could do in the Forza-thon, so you don't have to fuck with people uh, fucking up the trial. Yeah, fucking assholes. <laughs> I probably would have bought that this month if I hadn't wrecked my car on Monday, which I think we talked about in stuff mm-hmm. that's going to be Franken content. Yeah. But I gotta dedicate all my funds to... Go a deer, a goddamn deer. <laughs> Ray, oh, why does this cost so fucking much? <laughs> me, God help, God please help me pay for all this fucking schmutz. Oh, uh, all right, I'm uh, done. Oh, Sorry, you're the musical version now. No, nobody wants to hear that, especially me. Nobody like, you know, especially my musical talent. I already make them listen to me enough. Like, mm-hmm. no, I, I won't torture oh, them like that. Oh, and I will say that the Hot Wheels expansion does one other thing that. Is uh rather nice, where the track could twist around and uh, go cr- kind of crazy. They also have like a tilt indicator in the middle of the screen, so if you get motion sick with it, you just kind of you know laser focus on that to try to have this the, the like steady portion of the screen while shit is going crazy. It's nice. So yeah, I know what you're getting into with the Hot Wheels expansion, but. Uh, it's uh, <clears throat> it's intriguing. Worth the fifty cool. cents. Well, worth the fifty cents. So, I have two games this week. The first of mine is kind of building, piggybacking off of last week. Because um, last week I talked about um, Project Wingman. Mm-hmm. Every year, every couple of years, I'll play at least some, if not all, of the Ace Combat games that are easily accessible on PC and run well. Um, And I've just kind of included Project Wii Man as part of that now. It is a spiritual successor to Ace Combat. But upon playing Project Wii Man, one of the people in my tabletop group saw me playing and was like, hey, um, you know, is that game any good? I like Ace Combat, etc., etc. And he has Ace Combat 7 on PC. And Ace Combat 7 has an online multiplayer mode that is still 
at least on PC, working. Because it just uses Steam's um, multiplayer stuff. They're, I don't know, I was going to say servers, but that's not quite correct, I don't think. Because doesn't Steam just facilitate peer-to-peer multiplayer games? Pretty much. So, it, But, I mean, it uses Steamworks, I think is what mm-hmm. it's called, to make that happen. So you can still play the multiplayer mode. And in order to play it, you have to do a couple of, of missions and rank up with, like, the starter stuff. Um, mercifully, if you've played the campaign, everything that you unlock from the campaign, as soon as you do your first couple of multiplayer missions and kind of unlock all of the multiplayer features, um, gets carried over. The multiplayer mode is okay. The community is extremely tiny. Um, if you want to play a every-man-for-himself kind of um, just dogfighting mode, that you can get into pretty easily. You only need four players to start one. Um, it does a lot of sort of power, uh, I guess you could say leveling, to make it to where that if someone shows up with like the super-duper in-game plane, they don't just instantly murderize everybody else. Um, you can't bring in any special weapons. You just have your gun and the Ace Combat standard missiles. Or you can bring Maverick. You <laughs> yes, or you could bring Maverick. Um, there is there is a... I don't know if you're joking or if you're being serious. There is a Top Gun... I, I, I wasn't joking. I saw the uh, Top Gun Maverick uh, DLC. Yeah, There's which a is what I was going to mention. There is a lot of DLC for this. Um, thankfully, you don't need any of the DLC to play multiplayer. Um, the single player DLC is pretty good. It's an entire second, it's shorter, but it's an entire second campaign that you can play through. Um, but anyways, uh, so it, it does some sort of power leveling. There's no special weapons. You only get the, the machine gun and missiles for your planes. Um, you get a limited number of flares and then you just dogfight. Um, and it's, you know, like I said, I am minimum of four people but if you've got four people you can start a match and every time i tried to play by myself over the weekend which was three or four times um i could get into one of those games easily every time and it doesn't seem to fill them with bots if it is filling them with bots the bots are very good and play like people or cheat real real hard um but i found myself being competitive having only the single player stuff there are some specific multiplayer things you can unlock but um, generally speaking, you're competitive with the standard single-player stuff. Um, then there's other modes. There's team um, deathmatch modes. There's a team objective mode where that you run essentially score attack missions, where that it's attack and defend, and the you know the attacking team tries to rack up as many points as possible in um, an amount of time that you can decide. It's like, I think the minimum is three minutes and the maximum is ten. And then you swap sides. Um, and whoever, whichever team has the highest score wins. And so the, the defending team is trying to, you know, shoot down the attacking team. And the attacking team is trying to wipe out as many objectives as possible. Um, and then, like I said, team deathmatch. Then there are some kind of special modes where that it's like, um, there's a, uh, like a sort of a king of the hill kind of mode where that there's one person who's like the ace 
you have to shoot down the ace um, and you get bonus points if you shoot down the ace and then when you shoot down the ace you become the ace so everyone's trying to kill you and you get a little more powerful um there's one other mode oh you can do a what's called free mission mode where you can just fly around with your friends um or i guess random strangers um and you know you start with just the two deathmatch modes every man for himself and team deathmatch and then after about three missions, um, no matter kind of how many points you get, you unlock the rest of the features. So you can have up to five aircraft ready to go at any time. That You can hot swap in the middle of uh, most of the multiplayer games, at least as far as I can tell. I didn't play all of them. I couldn't play all of them because I couldn't find enough people online to play the team objective mode. Um, it does make you have eight people for team objective. Team deathmatch... You can do it with just four, two aside, but the objective mode requires all eight. So, um, but anyways, you can have up to five planes readied with special weapons, uh, camouflages and paint schemes that you can, that you unlock during the campaign, emblems, you can customize your call sign and, you know, a bunch of other kind of pilot related stuff that you would expect to be able to do. It's there. Um, Buzz the tower. Yep, you can buzz a tower if you want to on some maps. There are a couple of, of urban maps, actually. Most of them are like... Uh, it doesn't count if you don't make uh, your uh, commanding officer spill his coffee all over himself. Right, that one's worth uber-mega bonus points. But, you know, it's ace combat in multiplayer mode. Um, it's come a long way from the older ace combat multiplayers that I have played. There is one ace combat game that is unplayable. Because it was a multiplayer, free-to-play, multiplayer-only game. And what I have heard is that its multiplayer, or it, it's, th- that game became the multiplayer for Ace Combat 7. With a few tweaks to, like, there's no microtransactions. Yeah. Um, well, yet, I guess, the game is very old. I know it happens, but I just can't see them adding microtransactions to it. There's not enough players there. And I don't yeah, but, think you yeah, can but play... Yeah, but there's money on the table. I suppose. I, I don't even think the multiplayer works in the console versions. I'm not 100% sure on that, but... Oh, they'll sell it to them. So, yeah. it's. I mean, it, it's. I don't have as much to say about it as you had to say about Forza, and as I don't think you'll have to say about your next game, but... You know, it's it's pretty solid. If you've got... I mean, don't buy Ace Combat 7 just for the multiplayer, but if you've got it kicking around and you're looking to do some you know, quick, easy, you know, dogfighting, you can, you can get in there. Woo! Yep. Alright, you're up. Okay, so back to Forza. Right. So, uh, for the other 50 cents of that dollar, uh, Forza Horizon 5 Rally Adventure, the other half of the DLC uh, expansion packs. Uh, and I think this is my preferred one of the two. Although... I'm in a weird spot of I like dirt racing, I like rally racing. So when you look at the Steam's reviews of this, holy shit, there's a lot of negative reviews, and it's mostly because people buy into the expansion pack and are upset that it's rally racing. Because, right? It sounds like, you know, I haven't played this one either, but listening to you talk about it, it sounds like most people were expecting what Forza Horizon 5 originally called its dirt slash rally racing, which is at best rally cross, which is cool, but not 
real rally racing. Uh, well, uh, we don't want to fall into the no true Scotsman, but I know. But like, like that's. I think they were. I think what I'm trying to say is they were expecting more of that, and that mm. is not what they got. They got more traditional rally yeah, racing. Maybe and, that's a better way to say what I'm trying to uh, say. Well, okay. So both the expansion packs, uh, Hot Wheels in this one, are on a smaller map. This one is about a quarter the size of the base game map, but. It doesn't suffer from something that the base game map uh, has in droves, which is, you know, uh, well, hold down the accelerator and the next turn is in about two miles. Especially whenever uh, a race starts uh, anywhere near the interstate or, or a highway in uh, Forza Horizon 5. This, all the uh, tracks, uh, uh, well, I should get into the, there's three different modes, essentially. There's a nighttime rally cross mode where it's mixed surface dirt and uh uh tarmac much like the dirt racing in uh or dirt sarcasm quotes in horizon there's like i don't want to say completely uh dedicated dirt there are times they'll like cross a a, uh paved road or it'll go through a small section of a, a paved road to get to the dirt to another section of dirt but far more dirt racing than what Horizon has. And then there's dedicated paved road racing. Uh, each one is their own prog- uh, team and has their own progression, sort of like how the Hot Wheels does it, only it's not locked off uh, to certain classes of cars. Instead, uh, it's you get a couple races, and then as you progress up through the team... It unlocks more stuff, more like PR events, the uh, speed traps, the drift zones, that sort of thing, on top of one or two races. And once you get a certain rank at, with one team, uh, your the first team that you pick, which is of your choice, it unlocks a, a choice of a second team, which gives a second progression uh, set. And then once you uh, unlock the third team, once you get to rank eight in all the teams. It unlocks the Badlands uh, Goliath, uh, which is like the in-game race. It it feels a lot more concentrated, but it's also there's different modes for the races. There's a rally mode, which is Tom Trial's call-out from a uh, co-driver in a helicopter uh, giving you a heads-up of what's coming up. Although you can disable the voiceover for it. Because there is a mini-map, there is driveline, so it's not as required as a dedicated rally game. And then there's just a race mode where all the all the tracks that uh, support just a normal race mode as well. Which is nice. And I mentioned that the map is a lot smaller, and it's also a lot more technical. And I think that's also part of the, some of the bad reviews, is that there's a lot of turns that are like off camber instead of uh, of uh, like the Hot Wheels track where you have a big sweeping turn and you know the track tilts up to allow you to get more downforce. Uh, and even in Forza Horizon space maps on uh, dirt racing, whenever you're going into a tight turn, it the game kind of has the ruts where you could dig down and uh, hug the turn. Well, this has off-camber, where 
uh, the car is like tilting out of the turn, uh, and it makes the uh, some of the races more technical than what they would really appear. And I think that's thrown some people. The helicopter itself has also pissed off a few people, which I could definitely see on some of the races because it can get in the way at times. But yeah, I mean, it's solid dirt racing, which is nice to see. It does feel a little short. There's only eight races or eight tracks per team. So, right? Yeah. But we're also looking at, yeah, uh, Horizon 5 is big on community-made content. And there's already quite a few longer, more technical races in the event lab. So, there is that. Uh, Once again, like uh, the Hot Wheels tracks, or the Hot Wheels uh, uh, expansion, the, just because you've completed the final race doesn't mean that you complete all the content. There's a lot that I haven't done and a lot that I haven't unlocked yet just because I haven't gone through and done all like the little side missions. Uh, Rally Adventure is a little bit more egregious on uh, this than Hot Wheels, but both of them love to uh, constantly throw the next uh, challenge up and change uh, your waypoints if you're not careful so that that is a a little bit of a negative mark in my opinion but not as not enough to say oh yeah this game should uh, this expansion should burn in hell like some of the previews are saying here yeah uh it doesn't give as many cars as uh, the hot wheels expansion and a couple of the cars are electric which angers some people because ooh. It doesn't make big, uh, uh, you know, uh, motor noises. I guess they're, they're going to have to do that themselves now, huh? <laughs> right. These two expansions seem pretty analogous to the ones from Forza 4, or Horizon 4. And Horizon 4 is, I don't know, I didn't play Horizon 3. It could have been analogous to the ones mm-hmm. from Horizon 3. But, you know, the, the Hot Wheels DLC feels very much like the LEGO DLC. And the Rally DLC feels a lot like the Fortune Island DLC from from Horizon 4. You go to a separate island. Um, Now, the Fortune Island one added treasure hunting, which is in the base game of Horizon 5. But you go to a separate island. There's Mm -hmm. a series of racing discipline events that you kind of rank up one. And as you rank up one, you unlock another one. There weren't teams, but they were just sort of like different island events. And it's yeah. like, oh, you uh, you up your popularity on the island by completing some of these events. Now you unlock the next set of events. Yeah, this one, it's uh, set by team. So uh, doing individual uh, uh, races for a particular discipline uh, will get you further with that team, but it doesn't progress you with the others. I went back and looked at Horizon 3's DLC. It actually had a Hot Wheels DLC. So, all right. Yeah. I was familiar uh, that it had a, a Hot Wheels DLC. And the other one but... is Blizzard Mountain, which uh, is definitely not like this. Blizzard Mountain. Snow, mm-hmm. I guess. Add snow. Yeah. and That could have been a weather thing. I don't know if Horizon 3 had different seasons. I, I don't think it did. I, it looks like uh, uh, new weather types. It's heavy, uh, light snow, blizzard, and gale. So, yeah. Uh, quite different from uh, uh, the Rally Adventure. I mean, I definitely see if people bought into the expansion pass before they announced what's going on down with it, could be disappointed with uh, a more technical racing. 
because if you take some high-end cars in uh, in some of these races, you're in for a really bad time. Yeah, you can have way too much power. Mm-hmm. In a, I mean, you can have that in on-road racing as well, but it's much easier to have too much power in off-road racing. I mean, uh, that one race we did Sunday where you know, uh, popped over the <laughs> a jump. And then you missed, <laughs> flew off the track and missed the yeah, game. Yeah, because uh, uh, the runway was so, sh- uh, it was on pavement and I was on off road tires. So just slam on the brakes and I just slide the entire way down because I was going too quickly. Because that particular truck had a lot of get up and go to it. So it's really easy to have a lot of, or too much power for off road racing, especially whenever they start throwing in stuff like, uh, yeah, deformable uh, desert areas. Where if you're on a uh, uh, closed loop in the desert, uh, the track could actually get worse there. Uh, and like I said, off camber racing, uh, some of the more crazy uh, uh, turns where it's, you know, like uh, two or three uh, 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 horseshoe uh, turns uh, and back to back, you know? Yeah. So I, I definitely see why people could be upset. But, uh, th- yeah, pretty much as soon as I saw this expansion, it's like, I'm going to get this. And I realized I could cash in my Microsoft reward points. And, yeah, right? Yeah. So, uh, to, to, to me, uh, this expansion was worth it. I would say it, it's probably worth it at full price, even though uh, both expansions are fairly short. That, that's the big damning thing. But, like I said, the big thing about Horizon 5 is their community content. So once you wade through all the absolute bullshit uh, uh, community content, because of course there is, there is already some really good racing. There's a uh, a essentially like a mega Goliath uh, that somebody's made for the Badlands that is like three times the uh, length of the uh, Goliath that's uh, in the base or in the actual expansion. I did it with a S1 uh, uh, off-road car, and it took like 15, 20 minutes. Damn, that's a really long race time for Horizon. Honestly, it's been a long time since Forza in general has had races that long. Because they used to have Le Mans, and in in Forza 2, they had endurance races, which had 24 hours of Le Mans, although it wasn't 24 hours. I think it was 7 hours that you raced. Mm-hmm. But, like, seven real-life hours that you would race. And no checkpoints. No checkpoints. You, I mean, you could pause. So, the, you know, you've got kind of a checkpoint there. But if you if your game crashed, if the console, like, power went out, whatever. Seven hours, gone. And endurance racing disappeared after Forza 2. I was really sad. I liked the endurance races. Yeah, I'm just trying to... Yeah, the Super Glide. Uh... 21 and a half miles. So, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I would say that uh, the Rally Adventures, it, I'll actually send you a link to the Super Goliath so you can take a look at it. Uh, just look how uh, twisty attorney this is. Uh, I would say uh, it would probably be a good 25, 30 minutes with a good like B or A class. Nice. Which is honestly... Feels like the uh, kind of the sweet spot for a lot of the rally adventure uh, uh, races, but then again, that's kind of my opinion of 
where the sweet spot is for off-road racing in general in Forza. I mean, personally, I think sort of BNA class is the sweet spot for most mm-hmm. racing in, in Forza. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forza Horizon, rather. Yeah, although the trial is interesting whenever they throw you into you know, D-class cars and then there's some asshole. <laughs> Who keeps trying to wreck us instead of letting us pass. Clearly, the two of us were the best drivers of, on the human team in that trial, and that guy was mad about it. <laughs> well, it's it's just that he sucked. I mean, he's probably one of those that got post like yeah half hour long laps on uh, uh, Ravel's dirty laps because they he keeps ramming things, especially us, bastard. But. But yeah, I, I would say uh, rally if you like your off-road racing is definitely worth uh, at least a look. Yeah, uh, but be prepared for more technical racing. I mean, it's not yeah you know, like dirt rally. It's not going that crazy, but it's in my opinion tougher than the base game. Yeah, I I do intend to get it soon. Um, you know, as soon as possible. I might just wind up buying it anyways Mm -hmm. before the sale ends. Um, I've almost got my $10, uh, you know, for my Microsoft points, I've almost got enough to turn in for a $10 uh, gift card or $10 worth of funds or whatever. So that would make me getting the Hot Wheels one for five bucks and then paying, I think the the, uh, rally one is $17 with the Game Pass discount. Yeah, see, I kind of lucked into it. Before the Rally Adventure released, uh, they were having a discount on the expansion pass itself where it was 25 bucks. So I cashed him a $25 buck uh, uh, card and essentially just paid the tax on it. Yeah. Which works out to like 40, 50 cents per expansion. Can you still buy the expansion pass? Oh, yeah. It's just I don't think it's uh, as good a deal as it was. That's why I was trying to push you to it was that it was on sale before the expansion, uh, before the second one came out. Um, Is it the Horizon Premium uh, Add-ons bundle? No, no, uh, five expansions bundle. I can't see what the price is because I own it. Uh, let's see. Where are, you, where are you? Expansions bundle. Like I see here, the if you click on premium the, add-ons bundle. If you click on uh, one of the expansions uh, in the Xbox app, it, and you see included in, if you look at uh, the one, the blue one that uh, that the only one that doesn't show uh, uh, the actual screenshots of the uh, DLCs. All right, let me go look in the app because I'm looking on the. Uh... The game pa- or the the Xbox quote unquote PC. Oops, Forza Horizon Five. Looks like it's thirty. Is so, it on sale or uh, that's price? Uh, that's what the that's forty uh, percent off for I think uh, Prime game uh, for uh, not Prime but uh, uh, Game Pass Gaming. Okay, uh, I ended up getting it for twenty five, but. Yeah, I might do that. I might just buy that bundle and while well, it's on sale and then use my $10, you know, gift card, basically. I think you'll enjoy the Hot Wheels one more, but that's because I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm the dirty racer. 
<laughs> I I like rally racing, it, but just it, that's more your thing, mm-hmm. you know. You know, the my your specialty is off road, and my specialty is on. And when we race, you know, which really screws me over with Forza Horizon Five because uh, off road race. Okay, right. well the well the payment's a little dusty today, so that counts. Yeah, but you know, and and that that shows when we race though, like. Certainly there are the, you know, exceptions here or there or a really good race or a really bad race from one of us. But usually on any road race, I either lead the pack or just play a good teammate and stay right behind you because it's, you know, it's against the AI and it's not worth it to accidentally fuck up. And I usually have the uh, my car set to more acceleration. So I'll get ahead of you and then, right... Yeah, but like if you were, you know, if we weren't on the same team or if you were an AI, like I would force a pass and then, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be gone because I tend to make my cars more centered around handling. Mm-hmm. But put me on dirt and I'm just gone. Yeah. I don't know what it is about uh, dirt racing, but it's like, uh, you know, that idiot savant uh, kicks in. And it's like, OK, well, I can suddenly drive now. <laughs> Talking about idiotic things, should we get to the news? Well, I have one more game. Oh, okay. I'm I'm done my second one. So my second game is on my continuing on my theme. It's called Nova Squadron. This was a demo. Um, the game has not released yet, but I saw the developer on Twitter after looking up some stuff for Project Wingman. Like it showed up in my Twitter recommended. Um, and this is a I was gonna say sci-fi, and it is, but I think all of the Ace Combat games are sci-fi. <laughs> Or have elements of sci-fi in them. Um, but th- this is a, you know, very clearly sci-fi from Jump uh, game. Um, it, it is an Ace Combat style game. It's an arcade flight combat game. Um, and it is in the far-flung future of, like, the 24th or the 25th century. And you are um, a pilot that serves in the defense force for a... um, I'm not sure if it's local colony or local corporation. That honestly was kind of unclear on uh, on Jupiter. There has been terraforming that has been happening, and it has a habitable atmosphere, um, and there are these huge floating cities and manufacturing and mining platforms that have been developed, and they, they do gas mining and send down like surface crawlers to the planet below. And um it is a it has some roguelite elements. And so you do runs and there there is a a story and at least for the demo it only lets you do uh three mission or four missions and then it resets like it does a force reset on the fourth mission. Um but essentially when you die or finish the story it does the roguelite reset where that you take um, your resources from the run and can apply them to a permanent upgrades web tree. And the the demo web tree is of, of upgrades is pretty limited, so I don't know what's out on the farther ends of the tree. But things that, that are included are stuff like, um, you know, you've got some pretty basic ones, you know, plus 5% top speed, plus... 2% handling, plus 1% HP, you know, some stuff like that. But then there are weapon unlocks, there are jet unlocks, um, there are upgrades and unlocks for your squad, um, You or I guess your wing, technically, you're part of a, a group of five fighters, 
that goes out on all of the missions, and the AI in true Ace Combat fashion is hot garbage. Um, <laughs> and they they're usually only good seem to be good for soaking up enemy fire, but there are some upgrades for them that make them a little bit better, um, making them stronger, giving them more health, stuff like that. And the the map kind of always stays the same, at least in the demo. But the missions are randomized. Um, so there's like a story mission, and then two random missions and a story mission, and that's the demo. Um, and in the randomized missions are you know well random and can be you know shoot down this group of enemies or defend this airbase, destroy you know this uh, mining facility. You know, or there's a one mission type that's a score attack, where it's like just draw as many enemies to you as possible until we tell you to retreat, because um, you're serving as a distraction for another operation. Um, the probably the other than that sort of gameplay, uh, roguelite gameplay sort of concession, the thing that sets this, I would say, the most apart from Ace Combat is um, the flight model. Um, you, your, your fighter is a, you know, futuristic sci-fi fighter that is a sort of, I would say like a six degrees of freedom light type of thing. It tends to behave like an airplane, but it's got a couple of not transformations, but you know, the F-14 Tomcat, for example, has variable swept wings. Well, all of the control surfaces of this aircraft are you know, have a variable sweep to them, giving it different flight control methods. So you've got so sort of standard jet, you've got a helicopter type attack mode, you've got a hover defense mode, and there are certain weapons that only work in certain modes, and certain weapons are more effective in certain modes, and it changes up the way that the aircraft controls and changes up your speed, your handling characteristics. And um it feels like that probably the tail end of the upgrade trees is going to be like some very special, powerful weapons or abilities while in the different flight modes. Um, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's a solid little entry at the moment. Like if it released as is, but just essentially with all of its story content released, it feels like a really solid 10 to $15 game. Um, you know, there's no price tag listed for it. No idea what it's going to cost. But I would happily pay, you know, 10, 15 bucks for this game. I might pay 20 for it, depending on how much content is there. But it's definitely not as polished as, you know, certainly not Ace Combat, but also not even as much as Project Wingman, which, as far as I can tell, was a similar sized um, development uh, team and cycle. Um, and it just. They're doing something stylized, and I think it works, but it doesn't feel as polished or as sort of snappy as Project Wingman did. And it definitely is not as clean or smooth or um, well-built as Ace Combat. So, it's certainly not bad, but, you know, let's see how much, you know, how, I would say, appropriately they value the thing that they've created here. And that's, that's my games. That's all you got to say about that. That's all I've got to say about that. Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got no legs. Yeah, but boy, do I have microtransactions. <laughs> right? I'm going to I'm going to sip on my water here for a minute. So why don't you lead us into the the news topic? 
So, um, that remake of uh, Resident Evil 4 that people have been kind of mixed on. After all the reviews have come out and you know, all the media hype has died down, they added microtransactions to the game because, of course, they did. Of course. Uh, okay, I, I should be upfront on this. I do not really have a horse in this race. I'm not a fan of the Resident Evil series by large. Let alone, uh, yeah, I have nostalgia for Resident Evil 4. And you've only played a handful of them and didn't really get Resident Evil 4, right? No. So, uh, like, I got into the Resident Evil series very late. And the ones that I like are the ones that most people say that they don't like. Just because those are the ones I played first, so I had nothing to compare them to. And going back to play 4 after playing Resident Evil 5 and 6 in Raccoon City, I was like, eh, I mean, it's okay, I guess. So I just kind of bounced off of it. Yeah, so after you know, everything died down, microtransactions were added to the game to allow the upgrading of weapons faster and unlock the final upgrades of each weapon because money, right? Yeah, so, because fuck you, that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Each, each, each one of these, it's uh, you're buying tickets. Uh, to essentially bypass the requirements to get the final upgrade. And each one is like, well, it depends on which set you get, of course, because, right, ranges from three bucks all the way up to ten, depending on the uh, which type of ticket you're getting, and also the, uh, uh, you know, how many of them you're getting, because of course, right? Of course. It just blows my mind. A single-player-only game has paid... Skip content DL or uh, pay to skip DLC, right? Yeah, and and the fact that people are defending it, right? Uh, you know, it's it's only kind of pay to win. No, it literally is pay to win. I it, it, this type of thing used to be you know a cheat, cheat codes. Code. Yeah, that now the cheat code is instead of up up down down left right left right B A, it's swipe credit card, swipe credit card again. Put put in your credit card number. What's your security mm-hmm. code? Well, what, what what's your uh, social security number? While, while we're at it, right? One two three four five six seven eight nine. There you go. I mean, Jesus, what would you do if that was your social security number? That's probably like a blacked out number that somebody can't get. I would hope so, but yeah, it's just, there's already a fair amount of like cosmetic random DLC, which is already kind of. Eh. But adding this on top of it is just, ugh. yeah. I for I will say for the most part, I don't <laughs> care what people do with their games, single player or otherwise. Like, fuck it. It is especially if it's a game that you paid for. Like, it's your game. You want to mod it? You want to cheat code it up? You want to buy them DLCs or whatever? Like, you know, you do you, boo. I guess, but you know this is very clear exploitate exploitation mm-hmm. of a younger generation of gamers that have been used to predatory practices like microtransactions and loot boxes and you know things like that like this is just preying on those people who don't know any different or better yeah i mean the f- first time i saw that there was any uh uh dlc let alone you know this uh Saw one of the younger people that's on my friends list that I don't really don't talk to, but right, 
I had bought in like 15 bucks worth of the uh, 10, 15 bucks worth of the tickets. And I just saw ticket. What, what's this? Right. Clicked on it and saw, oh, oh, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, this is a single player game and it has $81 worth of uh, DLC between the cosmetic stuff and now the tickets. Mind you, the ga- base game is 60 So I don't know what the deluxe edition is, uh, but that's still 70 Yeah. Oh, sorry, that, that that's a good chunk of the uh, costume, so... All right. Uh, I'm so glad that I play games on PC, which gives me the most access to older games that don't have this shit, which gives me the most access to indie games... And also cheat engine, so uh, because a good chunk of this is just taking a flag somewhere in the game to say, okay, well you have this. Yeah, I mean, there's people that's talked about uh, this online that uh, literally just using uh, you know a mod in game uh, does the exact same thing as paying ten bucks. But yeah, you know, these kids don't know, right? Yep. And I don't want this to sound like a save the children argument. I think lots of times those arguments are bullshit. This is definitely a exploitation by a a corporation. Mm-hmm. This is this is it was capitalism all along is is the sort of tag I would stick on this. And that's I mean that's what late state well, I mean all capitalism but especially late stage capitalism does mm-hmm. is just exploit generations of people who don't know any better or haven't had the opportunity to see it for what it is and and learn and grow. Yeah, and, are... uh, yeah, and capitalism loves an ignorant consumer base. Yep. And uh, we are on the bleeding uh, edge. You know, we're uh, not uh, the typical gamers uh, because, one, we're sitting here in the middle of the night uh, talking about video games, right? Right. We're making this podcast right now. Uh, but we also are old enough to remember modding. We're old enough to uh, remember the cheat codes and everything. So, you know, we're not the target demographic of this. And it's partly on us to educate uh, the uh, populace, but at the same time, you know, the, the ones that are really being exploited by this, they're not looking out uh, for... Uh, content like this, they're the ones that are saying, oh, that looks like a cool zombie game. Yeah. And and it's not nothing against them because there's just so much information to go through. They might uh, look at a review and uh, see, oh, that's kind of neat. Uh, assuming that they even look at reviews, right? Yeah. And that's also part of the egregious timing of all this. Is that all the reviews are out now? They're they're done, unless somebody's doing some sort of really deep dive into you know uh, the differences between the uh, ritual release and the re-release. Which I'm sure but, there are people doing that, but like your average consumer doesn't watch those thirty plus minute videos. Yeah, so you're not uh, going to catch uh, you know, people talking about. Oh yeah, it also has some really shitty market transactions in it because. The reviews are out. They're done. Some sites might go put a, a update on that, but it's going to be the exception, not the rule. Yeah, and it's one of those things of like the 
what is it? The lie gets round the world before the truth puts its pants on, or something like yeah. that. That like Thank more people, yeah, more more people will see the the initial story by a long shot than will see the correction. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the game has been out for three weeks or re-released for three weeks. Uh, that big media blitz has been done for two. Yeah. And now all the review sites are on to the next big thing because that's what they live in down is trying to keep on that uh, you know, wave of uh, the next big game coming out. We've got to uh, get our uh, content out for that. Got to get hyped. Even though I'm not 100% sure what the next big one is. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Popular upcoming. This is going to be fun. Oh, hey, there's no Hitler on the popular upcoming. That's a nice change of pace. Did you say there's no Hitler? Yeah. What? Was there a Hitler game? Oh, there's been Hitler games on the popular upcoming. Well, yeah, I know, but was there one recently that I'm missing something on? Like a month ago. Oh. It wasn't the Hitler's next game, was it? Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting looking uh, one. Multiplayer tactical space-based shooter. I'm sure uh, that one's going to have a thriving uh, multiplayer uh, scene, right? Yeah, for about two minutes. Although it does have a a little bit of a pedigree on uh, its uh, developer, but oh. Having a, a, an odd uh, first-person shooter, you have to really sell that. I hate being uh, so goddamn cynical, but the truth yeah okay so well um so um uh fuck uh square enix yep fuck them and i'm hoping i'm grabbing the right uh developer out of uh, thin air i mean let's be real though fuck them is it square enix it's not konami is it uh oh sorry capcom capcom well Uh, but but fuck square enix as well fuck square enix fuck capcom fuck all of them and also, fuck Konami. Fuck Konami. And the Pachinko. I missed the fuck Konami news section from the Jimquisition. <laughs> so, are you ready to move on? Uh, yeah. And I'll let you take lead on Dark and Darker. Right. And removed from Steam following a cease and desist demand. Indeed. So, this is a story that has been developing for... A little while. Um, This isn't the first time that they have been mentioned in kind of some popular discourse, but um, they, uh, I don't know if if you would say they got big enough to be noticed or if they, you know, sort of pushed themselves out there enough to be noticed. But Dark and Darker, I guess if you don't know, is a uh, Korean developed or a a game being developed by uh, a Korean company that is using, um, it's believed or alleged that they're using animations, like frame-for-frame animations from um, Elden Ring? Is it Elden Ring specifically, or is it just from the Souls uh, born universe of games? I thought this was uh, the just general company uh, data and assets. I didn't think it was uh, particularly... Uh, animations, but I could have misread that one. Well, it's also possible that I'm conflating this with another I think, company. I think you're conflating it with another company, I believe. Okay, well then let's let's walk this back <laughs> a second. So, um, 
Let's see. It, it, the the articles that we have, it doesn't say exactly what it is. That's that's the annoying part. Is that uh, da, da, da. one of the articles is called "The Legal Dispute Dispute Gets More and More Confusing." Mm-hmm. Uh, darker, darker developer uses chat uh, G, uh, GPT AI tool and bid to prove that it hasn't infringed on copyright. <laughs> because right, yeah. But uh, basically, part of it is. Uh, an alleged, essentially plot uh, outline that they claim was stolen, and they used uh, Chat uh, G- uh, GPT to show that the entire outline is so generic that an AI bot can generate it, which doesn't say much for their game when you think about it. Yeah. Or maybe it doesn't say much for the genre, kind of those tropes. Yeah, yeah it's essentially, this is a dungeon crawler, and there's uh, so many trip-for-trope beats that uh, they use chat GDP to uh, just generate, essentially, a, a, the plot of the game. Or a to show that the AI could generate it. Which, yeah, it, just because it could doesn't mean, right? Yeah, that that it should or uh, uh, let, let's leave that to Ubisoft, which that was another thing that Ubisoft has been talking about using AI to generate their dialogue because of course. Yep. <sighs> there's there's a possibility too that this um the the news article is sort of a personal vendetta. There was a company split. Um, that's that's what this one is. So there's a company split. Mm-hmm. The accusation is that the people who left the parent company basically took the game that they were working on and used it as the skeleton for their game. And so that's that's why they're saying that, like, oh, look, this is so generic. We can generate it with chat GPT because, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to claim we took their thing, but we didn't. Um, but there was some bad blood between the developers who left. This is, I'm paraphrasing from one of the articles, but there was some bad blood between that some of the developers who left and then some people from the parent company and, um, the, where is it here? Before his departure from Nexon, the former employee reportedly said he'd likely pursue a project in the same genre. Um, but he explicitly clarified any developments would be made completely from scratch um, I, as a company, we don't have a lot of money, whereas, um, our former employers do. It feels like they're trying to bury us in court. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have infinite money to fight them, but we're not going to let them bully us. So possibly there's some, some, some kind of bad blood or, you know, feud going on here. That's speculation, both on my part and the articles, but... You know, it, they're they're being accused essentially of copying a game wholesale, so intellectual property theft. And they're being sued over that, but I mean that's just vague enough. It's like, well, you're stealing our ideas. It's like, well, you're an, an AI can steal your ideas. Like, what do you mean? Right. I don't know. This whole thing feels like bullshit to me. No matter what, like I don't it, feel it, like it, there's a good guy here. Yeah, I feel like so, there's. Yeah, it's so muddy, and there's so many vague accusations thrown back and forth that it's tough to really pick apart, really, first of all, what the hell is going on? And second of all, 
who the asshole is, but it's possible that both sides are assholes, because let's be honest. Yeah. I feel like this is a case that's going to wind up being settled outside of court. I could be mm-hmm. wrong, but, you know, either the smaller developers are going to run out of, out of money, or the bigger developers are just going to get tired of it and, you know, kind of settle, you know, pace for some damages, lost time, all that jazz, so that they don't get, you know, taken to court again. And then they'll just all move on. I could be wrong, but I feel like that's how a lot of these cases tend to wind up. Yeah, so. I have a feeling it's going to be the same way where... Uh, assuming if we hear any resolution, and it's just not you know, quietly settled, it's just going to be... You know, yeah, we settled out of court, and that's going to be the end of it. Because that's how it ends up a lot of times. Yep, in most court settlements, you know, there's a clause that's agreed to where they can't release what the settlement was for. Sometimes you'll have people who break that, who break their NDAs, but it's pretty rare. There's usually harsh penalties for that. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Um, our next community topic is E3 is dead, dot, 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 for good, question mark. Yeah, so this one is a few weeks old now. And... Essentially, uh, nobody was signing up for E3 this year. Uh, And we were, what, a month and a half, two months out? So they just called it. Yeah. Uh, I think the last big one was, like, Ubisoft announced that they weren't going to do a thing there. Microsoft had already uh, said they weren't going to do anything. Sony uh, wasn't going to do anything. Nintendo hasn't been there for years. So they just said no E3 this year and it's been really quiet on if there's uh, going to be one next year which is very telling I don't think there's going to be the consensus that makes the most sense to me is that I mean we saw we we had been seeing it for years yeah. even prior to COVID but COVID was the excuse the push that the companies did the big companies E3, like, this feels like the your major companies have pulled the ladder up behind them. I mean, I don't I don't like E3. I have not liked E3 for a long time. And Especially as, after we had to start covering it, right? Yeah. And because, as, time, as time has marched forward, the reach of social media has gotten larger and larger. But, like, there is something to be said for having, like, the big trade show that draws a whole bunch of attention and puts eyes, you know, people who otherwise would have no other way to find your game puts eyes on it. And this feels like all of the major developers taking the opportunity to pull the ladder up behind them. I mean, uh, the uh, COVID really showed that they could move to their own digital platform and do their own thing. I mean, we do still have Summer Game Fest, and that's been getting bigger and bigger with uh, smaller publishers. Is Summer Game Fest, is, does Jeff Keeley do that one yes. as well? Okay. Uh, and uh, while Xbox is there, you know, it's definitely not the only one there. I'm looking at their website right now. So uh, it, it feels more inclusive it's not just you know the big uh, okay uh, i should say that e3 isn't ju- or wasn't i guess we should use past tense uh e3 wasn't just the big trade show or big events that we saw online 
It was also the show floor that the uh, smaller developers could handle uh, and uh, be there. But it was still extraordinarily expensive because it was in, what was it, Los Angeles? Yeah. And, yeah, you're looking at tens of thousands of dollars to for it even... Uh, before you even uh, start tackling, you know, just the money that you're using at the trade show itself. Uh, you know, to fly a crew out, to uh, set up stuff. It, it just was too expensive for uh, that sort of thing. And having Summer Game Fest where you could do stuff online as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is it... more inclusive. I mean, it's still going to be, you know, the big, you know, the bigger groups, but... Right. Yeah. I, I'm not sad to see E3 gone. The only thing that I'm kind of sad for in that process is like, I'm sure that there are people who have lost their jobs because of this. And I, I feel for those people, you know, this, this, to, to parrot a phrase that's as old as time, like the economy is tough right now and being unemployed, um, is not good, you know, so I, I do feel for the regular people who are going to lose their jobs because of this, but mm-hmm. the show itself, I won't miss. But, you know, just to sort of bring light to the other side, I've heard the argument made a couple times, like I said before, like this feels like the major companies in the gaming space pulling the ladder up behind them. Well, also, whenever COVID really hit, the major companies cut back big time on their uh, teams that they would send out to these trade shows. Yeah. So these jobs have been pretty much gone for like two years now. True, but I'm sure that there have been more that will be lost as a result of this cancellation. Yeah. Oh, well, and... well, I was going to say that uh, we're looking at uh, the uh, the developers and publishers seeing, well, we don't really need these teams right now uh, because yeah, we're doing fine with you know digital direct events or you know or hitting Game Fest, which it's its own different thing, which I'm not 100% sure how Game Fest is structured. I didn't really pay attention to it last year, outside of watching uh, some of the indie stuff on Steam, so I'm going to have to pay more attention to it this year. Uh, But uh, the uh, teams that were handling stuff like E3 have just been laid off, and uh, it takes time for these publishers to decide that they want to do stuff like this again. Never mind the fact that, you know, some are just happy doing their own thing now. You know, the Microsoft directs, that sort of thing. Yeah. Plus, it's a lot cheaper because yeah, you're probably looking at millions upon millions to, you know, figure out a new way for a, a car to appear on stage for the next Forza game. <laughs> right. Right. 100% correct on that one. Yeah, you're not having to do that. But, I mean, it, it's cheaper in general. I mean, yes, you still have to pay a bunch of people to do a bunch of stuff, but you get to cut out as much, you know, all the travel. You get to cut out the expense of actually ha- being on the show, paying to be on the show floor, you know, all of that. You get to save on all that cost. Yeah, and Summer Game Fest is an all-digital event, so I, I was right on that one. It is going to be cheaper for them to just do a digital thing uh, through that. Yep, and for digital mm-hmm. events too, like you only have to do one thing. You know, you yeah. can make a trailer, and then you can use it for all of your digital events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the I mean, the real thing for uh, E3 being dead is how are they going to leak uh, all the press info a third time? Right? They'll find a way. 
<laughs> Somebody will do it. They'll they'll go over to an alternate di- dimension where mm-hmm. E three is still around and get all of that data somehow. So, okay, yeah, I guess we'll have to find a, a you know a, a way to just uh, focus on Summer Game Fest. Yeah, when it gets closer to time, we'll figure that out. Mm-hmm. So, okay, um, Arc. Our next our next article, Arc Two is delayed, so they're turning off Survival Evolves official servers mm-hmm. and charging fifty dollars a remaster for for a remaster. Oh no, it's more than that now. <laughs> right, this is the title from last week, but go ahead and go ahead and tell how much more. Uh, now it's essentially well, in theory, double because originally the remaster was going to be bundled with Arc Two, but. Now they've split the remaster from Arc 2, so you're buying the remaster, then you're buying Arc 2, which, why are they making a... Uh, I, I don't know how there's a single fan of this game. This there's all, quite a few fans of this game. I, 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 I don't get it. This, this might be the baby I'm old for this year. I don't get how people defend this game. I don't get it. This is the, this is the survival game that sold full-priced expansions during early access. I don't get it. I'm old. Yeah. I, I've played Ark, and I, I like I it okay it, enough. I have it through, uh, through, I think, a Humble Bundle somewhere. It was on Game Pass. It might still be on Game Pass, but it, it was for a while, and then they gave it away on um, Epic, and it it's probably been in bundles and other stuff. Like I, I have it on Steam, so it was in a bundle somewhere. Yeah, it's fine. It's neat to, you know, I mean, it's a survival game. One of the ones that you go from prehistoric times to sci-fi stuff with dinosaurs. And you know what? The dinosaurs are cool. I'll give them that. Dinosaurs are always fucking cool. But I don't, yeah, I don't I don't get it either. So uh, the big thing for this is that they're turning off the official servers. While it doesn't disable the ability to play on personal servers... It makes things a lot tougher, especially on the peasants. So essentially, from what I understand, if you wanted to host, you have to set up a laptop if you're on console and go into that now. Because the, especially the console version, Art does something weird with uh, hosting local games. They have a tether. So that people cannot get too far away from the host. And while it's adjustable, if you expand it out too far, the game gets glitchy. Or I guess I should say glitchier, because that's one of the things I always heard about Ark is that it's it's a little buggy. You know, just slightly. So you're really wanting to run some sort of dedicated server, but and that's the main onus on the official servers, but because those are shutting down now. Oh, right. Yeah. It's still early days, but this feels like a pretty big, like, dick move of the year contender award for me as well. Oh, definitely. Uh, Especially since they now unbundled it, so we don't know what the price of Art 2 is going to be at launch, uh, and if it's going to be early access or what. But let's be honest here, right? There's 
not a chance in hell that's going to be anything but a full price title. Oh yeah. Even if it's early access. Oh, if it's early access, you might even see an expansion pack or two before it's uh, released. Because hey, they did it before. And also all that expansion content that you bought. Oh boy, right? Yeah. Sucks. But developers going to develop. Capitalists going to capitalism. Mm-hmm. I, I just think I'm old. I don't get what, why people are so defending of this uh, game. Or is it just the sunk cost fallacy? You know, I, I, paid my mo- I paid my money, so I must defend them. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the sunk cost fallacy. At least I think, anyways. So yeah, there you go. Two old um, men not, not understanding dinosaurs. Two dinosaurs not understanding the dinosaur game. <laughs> right. So our final topic of the night, Monster Energy targets indie game and latest trademark lawsuit. And more! Yeah, and more. Because this is another one that, because we didn't get a chance to touch it last week, we get the update where they're going after two other games that has Monster in the title. Two that you might know a lot more than, um, hang on, uh, looking uh, looking for indie game that they're targeting. Uh, Dark Deception, Monsters, and Mortals. So, uh, they also are targeting Pokemon and Monster Hunter. And I'm pretty sure this is not a satire site, because... (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I did hear that they were, in fact, going after Pokemon later. I don't know about Monster Hunter yet, but I would imagine that they are, if they're going after... I mean, it's on this article. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm saying prior to the article. But yeah, if you're going to go after Pokemon, you'll go after anybody for yeah, this. Yeah, good luck, right? Yeah, good luck. I mean... Honestly, though, good. Like, go after them. Get your ass handed to you by an even bigger company. Let's set some more... Let's let's set some precedent that, that this is not acceptable behavior. Monster, in the... I think it was the 80s. It might have been the 90s fell victim to this as well. There was a company called Monster... Is either Monster Instruments or Monster Strings? They were a guitar company. And they tried to sue Monster Energy for the same thing, and they got beaten in the lawsuit, and it cost them so much money that they went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just remembering... Uh, okay, so one of my uh, like obsessions on YouTube is Larry Bundy Jr. And I'm just remembered... Uh, one of his videos where he talked about the guy that went uh, litigious crazy because he th- uh, he owned the word edge and would go after anybody that used the word edge in gaming or tech. And this feels very similar to that. That was like the edge from. Yeah. Oh, shit. What band is that? Did you say and I just like didn't hear you? Uh, no, uh, no, this was uh, a. Uh, this was a Chinese uh, uh, company that was going after uh, Microsoft as well for the Edge browser. Oh, shit. The Edge did this as well, as in, like, uh, what band is he from? U2. Um, in the early, I think it was the early 2000s, it might have been the mid-90s, he went around suing a bunch of people um, for using the word Edge for things, because okay. it was his name, and he said that he owned the trademark on it. Uh, well, the one I'm thinking of, uh, not just a Chinese company going after Microsoft, was Tim Lindell. Uh, because he filed a trademark over 
uh, Edge in 2009. Uh, and call, oh, sorry, hang on. Uh, uh, he uh, uh, claimed ownership of uh, the Mark Edge, which dated back to a PC gaming studio established in the 1980s and widely known and widely resented, but uh, lurked beneath the waves, unchallenged for many uh, uh, years. Uh, I'm reading a Gotaku article, by the way. It's partly a uh, reason why Soul Calibur's uh, predecessor took the name Soul Blade uh, in the West rather than Soul Edge. In 2009, the removal of an iPhone game called Edge, demanded by Lindell, caused a huge stink. In the aftermath, Lindell was kicked off the board of uh, uh, International Game Developers Association. In 2010, he lost his U.S. trademark in the settlement of a suit brought by Electronic Arts. It's weird that EA is the good guys, right? Well, broken twi- clock is right twice a day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this is another case where you know, somebody poked a bigger bear. Yeah. And this might be Monster Energy's uh, time for it. Which, part of this feels like it's Monster Energy trying to be, if you pardon the term, edgy. Hey. And uh, and using the idea that any publicity is good publicity. So, you know, going after big gamer names will we'll put their uh, shitty uh, cough syrup tasting uh, drink uh, on the public eye some more. So, yeah, I mean, I really hope that they get slapped down, but that's more. Because, you know, they're being dicks about it. Yeah. Genuinely, like, this is, I feel like this is an extremely spurious lawsuit. Because, like, the whole base, whole basis of the suit, at least that I have seen, is like, oh, people will confuse our two brands. It's like, bitch, no, they won't. Everybody knows what a, what a, what a video game is and what an energy drink is. And I'm pretty sure nobody's going to confuse Monster Energy Drink with fucking Pikachu. Yeah. I mean, Monster Hunter is uh, not as popular, but I'm pretty sure nobody's going to think, Monster Hunter, is that about, you know, trying to find energy drinks? <laughs> this is just utterly ridiculous. And uh, it might be my uh, go-to for, uh, you know, dick move of the year. Yeah. Fair enough. There's There's ammunition here for that. Um... I just don't see. I just don't see. Uh, well, one. Uh, when was Monster Energy originally produced? Because is Pokemon older than that? No, Monster Energy was developed in either the 1970s or the 1980s. That's 2002. What's 2002? Monster uh, Beverage uh, was. Now, now I'm trying to. Now I'm trying to find when it was actually originally released. I I remember in one of my podcasts, um, it was Monster versus Red Bull, mm-hmm. and it, and Monster as a company or like the idea for Monster Energy Drink dates back to post World War Two. I think it's post World War Two Japan, and it became a, a thing in I want to say the eighties, like a widespread thing. Although I suppose I mean, it's possible I mean, that it's like I mean a, uh, Wikipedia keeps throwing back uh, two thousand two. Uh, when the uh, actual energy was energy drink was uh, created, not the company itself. Yeah, so it's possible that there was a predecessor. I mean, it's probable there was a predecessor that I'm just not remembering. 
Yeah, the line of energy drinks was launched in 2002, so... Okay. Uh, uh, color be crazy, but I remember Pokemon before this. You're right. You got me on that one. I have my timeline wrong. Yeah, uh, the, the, uh, the company is older than 2002, but the actual line of energy drinks, uh, named Monster, was launched in 2002. So, yeah. I mean, if anything, Pokemon could uh, argue this one. <laughs> And I think Monster Hunter as well. Yeah. Alright, I'm going to stop reading up the company history of the Monster uh, Corporation. Okay, 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 Monster Hunter originally came out in 2004. So it's all up to Pokemon. It's all up to the Pokemans. Which the Pokemans did release in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember playing on the school bus in high school. I had long commutes, what I say? Right. So, yeah. Um, bucket of Monster Energy... Yep. Uh, come at me, bro. I do like Monster Energy, too. They've got one of the best selections of low or no-carb beverages. Uh, like I said, fuck Monster Energy. Yeah, fuck them. I'll do without. I won't die. I got coffee. So so, uh, so that's my energy. Yeah. Um, Rage, how can people send us stuff? These were all Community Corner articles. How uh, minus, submit uh, stuff? Monster, uh, minus uh, Resident Evil. Right. Although I have a feeling that might have been, uh, you know, upcoming. Uh, you could contact us at vtrlpodcast at gmail.com. You could tweet us vtrlpodcast on the Twitter, or you could drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at vtrlpodcast.podbean.com. Nice. So, hey, Rach, why don't you hit them with your socials? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. Maybe someday I'll tweet again over at Game of CR, but... Oh, with all the shit going on with Twitter, I, I just don't want to touch it these days. I, I send my lark, and even then I feel a little dirty about it. And also, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just waiting for uh, Elon Musk to burn the rest of the way to the ground. Or, yeah, you know, just turn off a random server and just break everything beyond repair. Don't worry, guys, I've got this. I can do some maintenance. Yeah, fucking nitwit. You know, Elon Musk is in Iron Man 2. I didn't realize that, but I've been we've been watching the Marvel movies with my kid for the first time. We watched Iron Man 2 the other day. Elon Musk is there. Mm-hmm. And this would have been like the late 2000s. So, I mean, he was still rich and famous, but not mm-hmm. as rich or as famous. And didn't have the as much of a cult behind him as he does now. Yeah. Uh, he has that kind of Steve Jobs energy and all the Extremely bad ways. Yeah. I can see that. I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're right. Mine is the turtleneck. Um, well, uh, if you wish to be my friend on Steam uh, after we get on our segue, uh, you can do so. I'm Caffeine Rage over there. And you've been? I've been me. Also known as Jared. If you want to find me, you can do so at Twitter at JMA4707. Um, you can find me on Twitch sometimes running a tabletop series for Twitch, uh, over at twitch.tv slash runicarts. And then if you want to be my friend on Discord or on Steam, jarthur4707. Woo! Woo! <laughs> As I clear my throat and scroll back up, uh, once again, you can contact us, VGL Podcast, with your layers, voicemails, game-related topics. Tweet us, VGL Podcast, on the Twitter until that burns to the ground, because I am still watching that. 
Yeah, or you can drop by the Discord, which you can find a link once again over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. Or if you're to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. And it would also help if you uh, rate us up on that, because, right? Yeah, rate uh, us. Five stars. You love us. We're almost as good as sex. Almost. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you haven't tried. I have tried. One day. <laughs> In a moment of weakness, right? In a moment of strength. Uh, pardon me. Uh, once again, our lovely, lovely patrons have made this uh, madness possible. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash Podcast. Our intro and outro is On the Ground by Kevin McCloy. You can find his work over at compydeck.com. And as always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See ya. Bye bye.